And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbrough. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sleephawk Worldwide. This is Sleep Dog alongside the Big Hawk. The Big Hawk! We're back into studio. Sleep, it's good to have you back, man. I appreciate it. I mean, they don't call it Sleephawk Worldwide for nothing, buddy. It was called Love Hawk Worldwide. Love Hawk Worldwide this um, week. Yo, Sleep came back. I really like his shirt, first of all. Mm. It looks amazing. Very French. And Got you it, look, France. You look good in it. I'm not sure if it's a shirt or you or what's going on. Maybe it's a combo. Definitely the shirt. I definitely like the shirt. Um, yeah, man, I'm excited about Sleep Hawk World. I'm, I'm excited we're back in the lab. I'm oh, excited yeah. to get back to it. And thanks for tuning in today. We got a great episode. Guys, we got all kinds of shit to talk about. For as little sports as are going on in, in the world right now, just close out on the Olympics. We're going to get into that. Uh, the coaches poll just came out. NCAA football, definitely getting into that. Heels coming in at a strong number nine. Uh, definitely going to talk about uh, my feeling about that. We ain't getting into like all the detail yet. We're going to tease that for, you know, when we read two or three things maybe and find out more than uh, one player on the team, which is Sam Howell. Uh, we could talk some, a lot of, a lot of Tar Heels signing some NBA contracts in the offseason, mm-hmm. getting into that. And then Sleep Dog, like I said, worldwide guys, uh, just got back from France. Okay. There's all kinds of storylines there. Uh, so, you know, just all kinds of stuff. Of course, all you guys tune in here, Instagram live, let us know if you got something you want us to talk about. Might even tease on the bachelorette a little bit. Your boy sleep's been slacking. He's been sleeping on the bachelorette. We did get together once and watch it. It was a snooze fest. I think it's what over now or close to it, but we'll talk some about that too. But you know, one of the things that has happened since we last talked, man, is the last time we were on here, we were bemoaning. Uh, Team USA men's basketball, and now they won the gold medal for the fourth straight time. Yeah, they got the job done. Um, and, you know, I don't want to be too critical. Um, you know, the games that they lost, um, you know, kind of seems like if you watch the Olympics and you watch the track, you know, not everyone wins a qualifying. The back, you know, they do what they do, and then once they get to the finals, uh, they play hard. But, you know, we walked away, mission accomplished, got the gold. Um, you know, I – I, I was critical off of principle that I felt like uh, they didn't show the enthusiasm in the beginning that other countries did playing for their country. Obviously, we have the most talented players in the world, and it's good to see that basketball is growing in such a global sport now to where other countries are playing hard and they have great players to where it is competitive. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that. But uh, Kevin Durant, unbelievable player, maybe our best Olympian ever at basketball. Three medals, Jordan has two, but KD played unbelievable. That's and a stud. Anytime KD's out there, uh, I'm all, you know, I can't wait to watch. The guy is just incredible at basketball, and it's an amazing thing to watch. Yeah, I didn't watch much of it. Um, I was in the country of France when the United States was laying wood to France. Uh, I was in America when France was laying wood to the United States. So uh, maybe there's something going on there. But yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, I didn't watch a ton of it. And that was one of the things I kind of thought of, um, you know, in retrospect about the Olympics is, man, usually like this is big rallying cry for countries, especially in the U.S. And I felt like the whole Olympics just sort of was like, meh. Most of the storylines were more depressing. Like basketball is losing. You have the whole like, uh, what do they call it? Gosh, I'm not, I'm trying to, a mental health stuff with the gymnastics and, you know, uh, leading up to it, they had the the sprinter, you know, that couldn't run because she was um, on the lettuce, you know. So <laughs> I, uh, it was just weird, man. Like, I don't know. It's not good, bad, or otherwise. Like, I don't have any complaints about it, really. Uh, I watched some of the more odd events. I watched more Olympics than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. And uh, But yeah, maybe it's because it was the 2020 Olympics and they were in 2021. Maybe it was the fact that there was no one there except the people playing. Maybe it was the fact that all the, the golf, like the golf was supposed to be this big thing. And like, I didn't even see a single round of the golf. So anyway, I mean, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm glad that shit's over. Hey, the golf, the women's golf was was unbelievable. Nelly Corda was unbelievable. India had a player come through, uh, Aditi, maybe I'm saying her name wrong. Uh, I'm in trouble for this one. 
Yeah. Where's so, the fact checker when you need her? Uh, fact checker, um, f- family is APB. from- APB. Yeah, from India. So I was really excited um, to watch that. And a really cool story about that is how her dad uh, got her into golf, and her dad was her caddy. And apparently her dad stressed her out so much that she fired her dad, and her mom was her caddy. And her mom knows nothing about golf, zero about golf. And she just handed her club, and I thought that was a really cool story. <laughs> uh, she came in fourth place, almost medaled. That was that was a really fun to watch. But uh, Nellie Corda is unbelievable at golf, and uh, has one of the best swings I saw. It's super impressive. Watched a lot of track and field. I really like the shot put, the disc, um, the high jump. My dad was a high jumper. I high jumped a little bit. Uh, the USA men's. Um, track and field, the men only won one gold medal on the track. Huh. Yeah. So, and it was a four by 400, uh, relay. And I thought that was really interesting. And I, that one a lot. I can't figure out why is Jamaica so good at track that I don't know. It always seems like Jamaica is unbelievable at sprinting. Well, and Usain Bolt's from Jamaica, right? Usain Bolt. The and, women uh, Jamaicans can really, really run. Yeah, didn't Jamaica have another big sprinter too? Like, I'm not hip on the whole, you know, uh, international sport thing, and I should be. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's a great question. Um, you know, for a country that's synonymous with the lettuce, you know, you would think that some of those guys, they probably lay off of it, I'm sure. Um, because, let's face it, hard to run fast when you're uh, – you know, when you're on that stuff, it's, um, I, what else was I going to say about the Olympics that I thought was weird? I don't know. That's not always necessarily true. You think you could, you think you could, do you think Sheed, okay, if Sheed was fast, Sheed the press, shout out, Mr. Skyflyer, wondering where you're at right now, by the way, buddy. Yeah, little follower. Where you, um, at, you think if he was fast, I mean, Sheed has been known to partake, I'll say, um, do you think he could medal? Let's say if he was fast and in, in, in maintaining what we'll call his lifestyle. So here we here we go. I have uh, I have a few friends. I I don't like I don't like weed. I just it's just not for me. It's for some people, and they get the uh, the effects and they get what they want out of it. I just I don't know. I'm just not into it. Um, nothing against it. Do whatever you want. And I was telling them, I was like, how do you do that and function? It seems like you know if anybody else does it. Uh, you know, a few times that I have tried it, I'm on the couch and I'm eating them like more food than I should. But some people get the energy. Some people get like a certain type of focus. And I'm always amazed. Like, how does that happen for you? Yeah. Like I love the people that are like, I, oh yeah, I smoke weed and I'm productive. Cause I don't see how that's like even humanly possible. Right. Like, I mean, you know, and a few encounters I've had with this uh, over time and you know, once upon a time, mess with that stuff. Yeah, I was not productive. Um, the yeah, just the Olympics were just boring, as you can probably gather by my like lack of anything to say about them. To me, it was. I mean, I started watching some random stuff, a little bit of tennis, and all these random. You know, you always find yourself watching random sports, right? Which is, uh, you know, is what it is. But you know, it was funny because when we'll get more into my French trip here later, but. I was having to play tennis while I was over there, and that was um, really, really interesting. But uh, I mean, we won this. We won the medals, right? We, we yeah, we, we beat China out for the medal count. I also liked beach volleyball, okay. unbelievable. Um, Latvia really showed up. I think, Latvia. dude, they were had an unbelievable squad. Canada turned up too, um, but Team USA won that one. I always tune into the beach volleyball. I uh, really like that one. Um, let's see here. What else did I watch randomly? I always love the ping pong because it's so amazing. Table tennis, technical. Um, let me see here. Um, yeah, the mixed doubles and ping pong. Uh, very, very good. Um, oh, three on three basketball. Oddly enough, Latvia made it to the semifinals of the finals. And Team USA didn't even qualify, which I'm blown away that we we couldn't figure out. Three, you know, three people to make a three-on-three tournament. Oh, the three-on-three thing. Yeah. Is that the team without the basketball? I mean, without the backboard? No, that's not it. That's not it. That's something else. I'm not sure what – that was kind of odd. I have to do – figure that out. But, uh, 
Yeah, so the three-on-three was really fun to watch. But, you know, I just enjoy the Olympics. I don't know what it is. I just enjoy it. So I remember what I was going to say, which is when I kind of, like, wandered off. And for those of you listening on Instagram Live, I think it has to do with Tyler's phone and then our other phone here, um, you know, capturing the live feed. We'll figure that shit out someday. But for now, you know, is what it is. Adds to the experience. The, the Indian golfer, you said something about her swing. Do you think that Cam could beat her? Straight up 18 holes playing from the same tees. No way. Absolutely not. And the reason I say that, listen, uh, I always hate this argument. Like, oh, uh, you know, women golfers would destroy because, uh, you know, most of the good men golfers are just amateurs. I don't care uh, what you say. I mean, because they're tournament tested. They know how to putt under pressure. Um, they, they have to putt everything through. Um, and also they're extremely consistent, but in most of the time they're playing from the same tees, they don't play from the up tees. They push them back and play where we would play regularly. Right. And there's zero chance, zero chance. Yeah. I think they're just less, uh, there's less testosterone. I think by definition that might be like scientific, um, you know, I'm no. Uh, Their swings anatomist. are much more consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, they just don't really care about hitting the hitting the shit out of the ball. They just care about being good at golf, and they are good at golf. I know a couple. My my buddy's wife, Sarah. Shout out. She'll never listen, but um, <laughs> hell, neither will Ben for that matter. But she, dude, she'll go out there and shoot in the low 80s, and I'm talking like from the white tees, you know. And she weighs 90 pounds, soaking wet, and just just stripes it, you know. So anyway, yeah, it was cool. Whatever. Olympics, fine. They're over. Um, nobody saw it in person. Everybody saw it on TV. Uh, whatever. Just weird. Paris 2024. Uh, Sleep Dog, again, to tease it, just went back to Paris. Uh, and, you know, I could only imagine being in in town in a, during a lively, like, and then in L.A. in 2028. So in the coming decade, I think I'll be more interested in the Olympics than I was this year. Um, so that's that on there. Uh, football, dude. So right before we come on, we realized the coaches poll came out. Uh, the heels are number nine. And I think the heels are going to the national championship. You heard it here first. We're behind Notre Dame. We're behind Clemson and the ACC in terms of team, ACC teams in the top ten. Right, And here's why Sleep Dog thinks that his prediction that the Tar Heels win the national championship is not as outlandish as you think. So what it means is, is with Clemson, the hell with Notre Dame. Screw those guys. Like, they don't belong. I don't understand why they get the, you know, get to even be and play in the ACC. Um, but that just means that, like, we play, if everything goes as, as it should, we play Clemson in the ACC championship. That means you have to win one game. And if you win that game, you wind up in the playoff, whether the, t- whether the playoff is four teams or 40 teams, right? Um, and, uh, and at that point, it's, it's anybody's game. And theoretically, like, I really think that you could, if, if there, we have a great year, don't, let's say, let's say that, that I don't think we play Clemson this year because we played them la- last year or the year before. Maybe we actually we played them the year Would before. our strength of schedule be strong enough to get into the, uh, my thing tournament. is, is if you go undefeated in the ACC, then it doesn't matter. That's my, that's my, um, so who, who would you say the top teams in the ACC are? I see the SEC, uh, added Texas and was it Oklahoma? Yeah. So obviously the SEC got better. Uh, I would say, you know, they're a powerhouse, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, dude, this is what I love about, this is how good Carolina is right now, dude. We have five games already. Five six thirty kick six six o'clock kicker later. The first three games of the year are night games. We open up at Virginia Tech. We're gonna throttle Virginia Tech on September third. Then we got Georgia State. Whatever. Who knows who that is? Then we got Virginia at home. Like if we start three and zero, we're running the table. Then we got Georgia Tech. Nobody cares. Then we got Duke. Going to beat them. We got Florida State. We're going to beat them. We got Miami at home. We're going to beat Florida State and Miami back to back at home. We're going to beat both of those guys. Then we got Notre Dame on the road. I think that's our big test, you know. And then we've got uh, the last game is State on the road. We're going to throttle those guys. Okay, so we got a couple tests, right? Tech on the road. Then we've got 
you know, Miami, Florida State at home. We got Notre Dame. Those are our four games. We win those four games. The rest of them fall into place. Virginia always has our numbers, but I mean, we're really good this year. I hope we beat them, right? And then all of a sudden, so you don't play Clemson. Clemson runs the table. Carolina runs the table. And even if UNC were to lose the ACC championship game in a you know by a field goal or something, club, we can't get blown out. Then there's the argument to be made that UNC and Clemson make the tournament, especially if there's more than four teams. But I think we went, we make the tournament on our own merit. I think we beat beat Clemson in like the most epic showdown of all time, right? Then we go to the college football playoff, and our guys realize now that hey, I got a chance to win a win a national championship at UNC never happened before. Sam Howell ain't sitting that game out. Right, whoever the hell else is blowing up that year ain't sitting that game out because now there's something that matters. Right, you've got all this money now that's you know that can change hands in college, which again pales in comparison to the pros. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about some of that. Maybe some of these guys do sit out, but I think at full strength we are one of the best teams in the nation, and it is going to be electric. Five night games already, and that just means like UNC and the the Florida State and and Miami games definitely going to be night games, no doubt about it. Those games are going to be nuts in October. I mean, dude, the weather's going to be great, all this sort of stuff. Dude, this is going to be one of the most exciting football seasons of my life, and I'm here for it. I'm excited, um, and you just painted a great picture, and I can see all those scenarios happening. I could see other scenarios, but we're not talking about those other scenarios because we're going to maintain positivity <laughs> before we get too negative. And <laughs> oh, I, I will say I want our football team to be as successful as they can. And I know that uh, there's a lot of momentum that uh, Mac Brown has brought to UNC that we haven't seen in the past. I like Mac. I like how he embraces uh, the whole university. I like his, I like his energy. Um, you know, it seems like we've really, really done a lot for the football program for them to be successful. And the last thing, um, is it, it felt like we ended the year last year on a very good note saying, damn, we, we could have been one of the best teams in the country. And hopefully the kids are encouraged and build off that momentum and, uh, go into this year, um, and accomplish great things. But also last year, even Mac talked about it. We don't handle success well. And we right. saw some of the games that, you know, they had leads, um, slipped and lost. And then you saw some games where we came back and won. And um, so with Sam, uh, another year to grow, uh, was a young player last year. Big expectations. Uh, I have big expectations. So I'm excited. We'll see. Yeah. And one thing I'm interested in your perspective on. So football is a lot different than basketball because – you know, basketball is a consolidated roster, very small roster. Football is a totally different story. Very hard. It's like herding cats. I mean, these guys are still 18, 19, 20 years. These guys are some knuckleheads on the football team. Um, you think the money messes up any of these kids? You think some of these kids get – and I'm talking like, you know, you think some of these kids get their hands on, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 and do something stupid? Not not UNC kids. I, I this, this question just literally popped into my brain is like, Something I never thought of is this added element of now you've got kids with the means to get in trouble during the season. And by, again, by kids, I mean athletes across all sports. We're obviously talking football. Uh, you know, you got some guys at a school, you know, is, I, you know, the perfect storm, right? You got kids that are making money. They're on this team that's never been good before. Mm-hmm. Everybody's electric because now they're good. They're, they're playing night games. They're selling out. They're winning. They're doing all these things. And then, bam, some kid's got $15,000 in cash or something and does something dumb, and it becomes an issue, right? Like, uh, that's a pretty morbid uh, pivot away from, hey, we're going to win the national championship. But just food for thought, right? Like, there's a new dynamic in college sports, and it's money. And money does different things to different people. But I think, man, we got the pieces. There's just no doubt about it, dude. Because at college, it all starts at quarterback. So th- that's an interesting point that you made. Do I think the, the NIL's name, image, and likeness is going to affect uh, locker rooms and the chemistry of teams? It very well might. And I'm not sure how some of these contracts are uh, negotiated or if some of these players, if they're allowed to do Mm -hmm. incentive-based deals with uh, sponsors. Because I can see some guy, um, you know, let's just say 
you know, someone has to get a certain amount of rebounds. Yeah. And then they get, you know, certain money from a shoe company. Yep. And let's say late in the game, uh, coach pulls them out, blowout. Let's just use one of our best players as an example. This is just an example. Um, hey, I'm two rebounds shy from getting $10,000 yeah. from uh, a shoe company. Leave me in the game. Yep. If you're the coach, that I mean, that's that's a great point. If you're the coach and you're like, it's a blowout. Listen, could our best player get hurt in those two minutes? Or yep. do I just send him in there to try to get two more rebounds to get the $10,000? Yeah. Things like that bring up, you know, things like that, that's a big debatable subject. And I think uh, that could have some issues because also you're still in time from somebody who's worked really hard yep. and they want to play, uh, but you also want your money. And uh, so we'll see. That is a great point, Sleep. I'm not sure how it's going to work with uh, football. I mean, there's so many guys in football, but with the added money, I can see people want more minutes, want more shine, and uh, – Chasing stats are going to be more yeah. common in uh, college, which if you think college players aren't chasing stats at times, and you're, yeah. you're, you're oblivious. I mean, they chase it without money. Yeah. You put money on, yeah. on the line, especially a bunch of people that ain't got it for, for most, you know, in most cases. Um, yeah, that could, could add an interesting, interesting element The uh, yeah, I popped in on, on Google here, like uh Heisman watch list, pick the first PFF.com. God knows what that is. Uh, something about I'm guessing one of those F's stands for football. Uh, Sam Howell, number two on the watch list. Um, dude is going to blow up. He put year. up huge numbers. <laughs> Freshman and sophomore year. Guy's going to go absolutely bonkers this year uh you know what else is absolutely bonkers the amount of money that stephen curry is about to make dude he's making like 53 million dollars in one season dude that is just insane i mean dude steph curry's great he's a good player but is he the deserving do you think steph curry's deserving of more money than any player in the history of sports i think in a singles i mean well, salary I mean, wise in he, a season is he done what uh, larry bird magic johnson has done is he done with Michael Jordan? I think he's in that category. I don't yeah. think he's like I don't think he's. Oh, here's Steph Curry. Here's that. Listen, there's one level right here. It's Michael Jordan. Yeah, Irving, Bird, and I think I do think Curry belongs in there. Yeah, he's in the he's in the upper echelon of players yeah. of all time. I, mean, dude, I really do. Yeah, and he has changed the game in ways uh, that you know he's changed the game. And also, you got to think back. Okay, Steph Curry signed a 44 four I think it was 4-year, 44 million dollar contract after his rookie deal was up. So he's making 11 million a year. Wow. And that was one of the worst player contracts in league history, given how good he is. Huh. And that allowed the Warriors to go sign a bunch of play, like gave him a lot of cap space, signed players. So, here's my deal is Steph Curry said, listen, if I'm complaining about $44 million, then I have some bigger issues. And I've always respected him ever since he said that. And he wasn't looking at it. You know, people can look at it like he's one of the best players in the NBA. He only has a $44 million contract. And now think about that when you say only $44 million. And he came out and said, listen, I'm not complaining. $44 million. That yeah. is a great, like... And a lot of people can twist that up and look at it a different way, but I, I think he's very deserving of it. I mean, he's a NBA champ, MVP. I mean, what more does he have to do to get that contract? Is my question. I mean, but didn't he? So I'm, I'm kind of like reading along. Here. I mean, he has it's been his second two hundred million dollar contract. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> this dude's gonna make a billion dollars in salary. Like it's nuts, right? Like. I mean, it, but but yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, it's it's like the epitome of betting on yourself. You know, the guy was like, and, and being a team player, like for all intents and purposes, like I, Steph Curry's one of those guys I like rooting against, right? <laughs> like, I also liked rooting against Kobe, right? And and then of course, given what happened, like I immediately found myself thinking, man, I really wish I had, you know, liked him more when he was when it, when I was around to enjoy. I always enjoyed watching him. Right, but he was my like kind of nemesis guy, right? Like, and 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 Curry's kind of the same way. Is like, dude, the guy's incredible, man. Like, he's one of those guys that it pisses you off, but he'll pull up from half court and just like 
you know, ruin your dreams. I, I love his attitude. I yeah. love his story as well. Uh, coming from Davidson, uh, Virginia Tech thought about giving him a scholarship, didn't give him a scholarship, makes his name at, at Davidson, small D1, puts him on the map, yep. then later, you know, gets drafted, lottery pick. Um, a lot of people doubted his size, went on to win multiple MVPs, multiple NBA championship rings. So he deserves everything that he gets. I feel like he's earned it. A lot of people have counted him out from early stage. And now we're talking about this guy being in the same tier of players, Michael Jordan, Bird, Irving, and mm-hmm. those other players. And I do think he deserves to be there. Oh, we got fact checker. We got we got uh Savita Sanders on the line here. Oh uh she's not happy about it. Um but love your rationale, fact checker. She's just calling us, calling us into question. Dude, it's a, it's a lot of money, man. Uh, it is a lot of money. So, do we think these contracts should exist? I do. I got. Well, I mean, why not, dude? I mean, the, here's my thing. It's a, it is a bottom line thing for me, you know. And it, it this bleeds over into this will get me in trouble. But when you start talking about, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the value of like women's sports contracts or you know, whatever, other non-premier sports. And to me, like, I I, I believe wholeheartedly and unequivocally in, in, in equality, right? At the end of the day, it's like, dude, this is a business and how much revenue does it generate? You can't tell me that because we both play basketball, I deserve to make the same amount of money you do. Like, you don't say that about LeBron James and Tyler Hansborough, you know, because they're different People want to see LeBron James. I didn't make the world this way. Like, I'm not saying that every woman in the NBA is an incredible athlete, given the, you know, some of these, or, or that, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, better other players, like yada, yada, yada. My, my thing is, is I understand how staggering these numbers look for Steph Curry's contract, but if he is, is it impacting the bottom line by that degree? And if that team, whoever's in charge of running the business side of the Golden State Warriors says, hey, Steph Curry is putting $5 of pure profit on every seat in the house every single night for 82 games and then in the playoffs and then in these ways in terms of ticket or, uh, you know, apparel sales and television content, blah, blah, blah. They can believe me, they're running the numbers. And it makes financial sense for the Golden State Warriors to pay, you know, Steph Curry $50 million a year. They're not taking a loss on that, right? So at the end of the day, to me, um, I'm, you're always going to be able to. You're never going to be able to argue against that for me because the, at the end of the day, somebody's somebody's. And of course, there are certain situations where you're probably paying some other guy that's you know has a nagging sprained ankle for 60 games of the year. Like that's going to not work. You know, Steph Curry goes out and breaks his leg and misses one season. You know, all of a sudden the the economics don't work anymore. But that's risk versus reward. But she thinks you know somebody in the comments fact checked her. Pay them a little less and then pay the staff more. See, here's my thing is like, I don't think, and this is goes with politics and all this other stuff. I don't think that you should pay someone less to pay someone else more if their, you know, their tangible impact is, is equal. Um, I'm not saying, now what I will say is like, if Steph Curry is worth X, if he's generating all the revenue to keep all these other people paid and he's, and you're exponentially earning, pay the other people more and pay Steph Curry the same. That's my sort of argument. So my argument is, is there? Do people think NBA staff is underpaid? I don't even know what they're paid. I'm uh, sure the assistant usher coaches the game, make very good money. They have very good incentive programs. Yeah. As well, I mean, I'm sure there's people there that probably don't make as. There's probably some unsung people, the uniform guy or the usher or you know. But the thing of it is, is but like those all guys, those people are employed by the stadiums and all these other. They're places, not under not the contract, team. right? Right. Exactly. So you know, I get it, and I, but I bet you. Here's my thing when when you talk about wealth inequality. <laughs> that is a much, much deeper conversation and a, and a great point, ultimately, uh, fact checker, is that, you know, I think you, you, you see a lot of these stories about the play. I'd rather have that money in the hands of the players because I think they're more often than not going to do the right thing. Um, you know, I think they're going to be the I think Steph Curry is going to be the one where when, you know, dude's washing his uniform or, you know, doing this, that, or the other. Steph Curry's going to pay for that dude's kid's college or something like that. Whereas, you know, when you're when you're in a hierarchical system of compensation, those things are harder to come by, right? And and, and maybe that's sort of like too romantic uh, about how it actually works, and I get that. There's no right answer. Um, but 
you know, I think I think Steph Curry is going to do a lot more with two hundred million dollars, and that two hundred million dollars is going to do diversified. Uh, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, I think you guys both have good points, and you know, I think that's a good debatable subject. Um, but I don't think this is something. I think what we're getting here is a much broader picture in the business model as a whole. Uh, if you think that athletes shouldn't make this top-notch money, then I'll, why shouldn't this not be applied to CEOs? Here's my um, thing, executives that are yeah. making this like these absurd amount of money per year, and then you have these people under him seem seem like they're working uh, tirelessly hours and always there making significantly less. That's the thing. And that's really where I'm getting is like, Savita, my opinion, the focus here is on Steph Curry's $200 million contract. What I'm getting at is that $200 million contract means that there is billions of dollars elsewhere that are unaccounted for. Right. And so you see this is a huge issue in, 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 you know, you have the, the prime example is Amazon, right? Everybody bitches about Jeff Bezos making all this money and blah, blah, blah. And I don't believe that you should cap, you know, what people can make. I just don't, I don't believe that fundamentally. Right. But, you know, the ugly reality is those people generally tend to be in control of what value other people have and play into the bottom line. I have experienced that in a microcosm of this issue in my own career where I helped deliver extraordinary value, I felt, and was not compensated, you know, to the level I felt like I should be. Right. And that's what millions of people feel like. So that's what I'm getting at is it's like, it shouldn't be about Steph Curry. It should be about whoever owns the Warriors. You know, are they the ones, you know, really pocketing the extra profit here? Or is it Steph Curry? So this is actually a great point, And this just came to my mind. So I think what we talk about, we see Steph Curry, who's made all this substantial money, had these good contracts. But why don't we talk about the contracts of the mid-level exception, mm -hmm. uh, which falls in about $5 million a year, which actually compared to these other guys, I'm not sure what the mid-level exception right now is uh, in the NBA, but the mid-level exception, you have max, you have super max contracts, and then you have this huge gaping gap. Mm -hmm. And my, my fight has always been is why not fight for a higher salary for – Three-year players, four-year players, guys who aren't in the league that long, right. up the minimum, uh, the minimum contracts and make it more spread out yeah. to not where we see have we these big gaps between. Oh, we have James Harden making fifty-six million dollars a year, but then we have the tenth guy on the team uh, making two hundred twenty thousand. Yeah. And what? Now, this comes back to the point, okay? So what this does for the Warriors, Steph Curry, one of the best players in the NBA, mm -hmm. okay, it gives the Warriors a chance at an NBA title. Now, the Warriors are a true contender. They bring back Klay Thompson. Um, they have some pieces. They have Draymond. They have a really, really good known core, Yeah. okay? And so what that does for those guys sitting at the bench that don't make these absorbent uh, contracts, it gives them – bonuses, playoff bonuses, and other mm -hmm. benefits. And those playoff bonuses and those other benefits, they get spread out. They gets dispersed amongst the staff. And so that's what I think everyone in the Warriors facility, when they sign Steph, they get excited because they know they're going to have playoff games. They know they're going to have a title run. And that money will trickle down to everyone else. They know they're going to have sold-out arenas. They know they're going to have sold-out games. Mm -hmm. And that is a way to get those other people money. Yeah. That's just what I'm saying. No, that's a good point. There's a lot of ways to skin it. Um, there is a lot of, you know, there is no wrong or right answer on that. You know, they're doing uh you're gonna you're gonna get ten talk to ten people, get ten different answers about how how to how to how to shake up the pie, right? And mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess that's why it makes for such an interesting and heated debate at times is because you know, everybody's uh version of what's right and wrong is 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 usually at least somewhat different. But you know, end of the day, Steph Curry is making about sixty mil a year. I mean, get out, bro! Like this dude is making so much money, and that doesn't include. That's the crazy part is that's not endorsements. That is salary, right? Um, and the owners make more than Steph. Oh yeah, let's be clear about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, a so that's more. a bigger picture. And then when it comes down to collective bargaining agreement, when they're negotiating all these, and then they have the revenue side of all the merchandise and everything, the owners, when I was in the NBA, that was like the big holdout. Okay, are we going to split it 50-50 or are we going to split 
split it 51 uh, 49 yeah. to the owners. And that is a big deal. That comes from like Kobe Bryant jerseys. Right. And that's where these other guys that don't make these salaries, they also benefit off that as well. Mm-hmm. And so, to, like, you can look at the owners, you could be like, well, that's being extremely selfish. Every owner in the NBA is a billionaire. Why do they care about that 1%? Well, then you're starting to talk about 1% of all this money that comes in. Like those, That 1% adds up to a huge amount of money. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's billions of dollars, money that an old sleep dog can't fathom. Uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, Steph, you need somebody to, you know, co-host your podcast or some shit. Me and old, me and old Big Hawk will... Uh, We'll do it for a we'll cut you a deal. A um, lot of guys, a lot of Carolina guys. We teased this in the opener. A lot of Carolina guys getting some deals. Uh, Big Hawk, tell us about those. We got DG. We got Wayne Ellington. We got Reggie. We got freaking Tony Bradley. Like, dude. DG, back to the Sixers contender. Uh, I think he's going to, you know, obviously – the Sixers need consistent shooting outside. Drastically missed it. Uh, not sure what's happening with the whole Simmons debacle, if he's still there. But uh, he's going to be great. Uh, Reggie Bullock, he went to the Dallas with Luka. They're going to be a really good team. Tony Bradley, to the Bulls, two-year deal. Uh, sounds like he's doing a lot better than a lot of people. Uh, you know, Tony Bradley has found a way to stay in the in the league and take the most of like his, his like time when he gets in there, he's done really well. And let's see here, Wayne Ellington, who teammate of mine, uh, unbelievable person going to the Lakers, going to provide the Lakers with that outside shooting, uh, especially with LeBron, you know, how LeBron likes to play. He likes to handle the ball. Uh, the defense collapse. He finds the shooters on the wing. I'm really, really excited about Wayne. Cause I think he's going to do big things for the Lakers because LeBron has always had those older veteran shooters. That's his role, yeah. Mike Miller, yep. uh, Shane Battier. Yep. All those guys come in, and it's just like LeBron finds them yeah. in the right spot. and just yeah, like, he, had, he had Danny Green. Yeah. He had Ray Allen. I mean, he's got them all. You know? yeah. On their way, you know, some of these guys on their way, you know, I'm not talking about Ray or DG. They would have been on some other team, but I'm talking about like Shane Battier. Yeah. I'm talking about Mike Miller. Mike Miller's a great These ball. guys, you know, who were like getting kind of older, and then all of a sudden like – Hey, listen, you just stand there. Yeah. And I'll if find your you. man claps, you're going to be open and just make it. <laughs> all you got to do is like being in the gym and shoot around. I mean, I'm going to have nine dudes on me. And all you got to do is just wait, wait over there in the corner and uh, bang them. So, yeah, no, it's going to be really fun. You know, the Lakers is going to be really interesting. A lot of, a lot of talk, you know, sign Russ, uh, sign Carmelo. Dude, they're, the average age on their rosters uh, gets, gets uh, free coffee at McDonald's every morning before the game. They got like 50-year-old dudes running. And I was, I was talking, they got THT, what is it, Horton Tucker is like the basically the fifth guy in the rotation. LeBron, Carmelo, Russell Westbrook, AD, and then THT, right? And – I was thinking to myself, I was like, imagine that roster like six or eight years ago, right? Um, yes, I understand that. I think THT would have been like in middle school, but he still could have started for him because the other four would have just been easily the you know great. I mean, you're talking four of the probably arguably maybe top 25 players. I mean, Carmelo is is not as well rounded, but obviously a score. Anyway, dude, it would they're going to be an intriguing. Intriguing. So, uh, uh, about this THT guy, uh, he was drafted, I think. Not to be confused with THC, Sheed. No, you're not here, but I know you'll listen. <laughs> THT, this guy was a second round pick, uh, I think, by the Lakers. Amazing story. I was listening to a game, watching some game, and he was watching with his buddies the draft, and he said, I'm going to take a shot for every time I'm not drafted. Oh, boy. And sounds like Cam was hammering him back. And apparently doesn't even remember getting drafted. Wow. Doesn't remember getting drafted. What a story. What a stud. By the way, this guy is a hooper. He's been playing well. He really came on for him. He saw big minutes when um, LeBron was out. And he's he's done a really good job. He could find himself in there. I'm going to be interested to see what kind of role does Carmelo play in this. Is it a bench role? Is it coming off the bench? Because it seems like he's more open now that he's gotten older to doing, uh, you know, coming off the bench and being more of a role player, just whatever he can do to add that positivity to a team. But the real interesting question I have here is you have Melo, ball dominant, LeBron, ball dominant. Then you have Westbrook, ball dominant. I'm going to be curious to see how these guys really – 
you know, how they play with each other and how the ball gets shared and the movement process on that. Cause that's going to be very interesting. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. And the best part is I think like, as long as we get rid of this Delta variant at some point in time, maybe we'll get a, a, a normal NBA season for the first time. Get vaccinated. God, people. If, uh. if, if listen, stop holding out on vaccination. Seriously, go and get yours. Uh, I've got mine. A lot of people have gotten, I mean, it's not, don't listen to some guy on the computer that has no education and whatever you think. I, I, I strongly encourage everyone to go get vaccinated so we can finally get over this. Yeah, don't listen to some guy on the computer with no education. Listen to Big Hawk. Listen to Sleep Dog. I mean, we both have education. Um, yeah, we're, and we know what we're talking about. We're just sending the message back from what the uh, experts say. You know, Tony Tony rocks with us. I Sleep Dog, I, I pass out if I see blood. I got the shot. I got two of them because mm-hmm. um, you have to have two of them, right? So that's a great segue into my France trip, guys. Like on my way back. So in order to get – there's so many storylines out of this France trip, guys. So uh, – but <laughs> the funniest part was on – in order to get back into the country, you got to have a negative COVID test. You got a vaccine, don't give a shit. Want a negative COVID test. So in France – and we're standing like south of France, right? So very few people speak much English there. And old sleep dog, as you might have guessed, doesn't speak any French. So I go into this place called La Pharmacie or something, and it's like your typical like Walgreens or something, except there's no frills, right? It's very much a pharmacy, but there's no, you know, there's no Twix and M&Ms and shit in there. Like you ain't buying beach chairs in this place. You're buying like things that are medicine. And just so happens if you're signed up for a, 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 a COVID test, like you go in there, you pay your 25 euro, Right. And then they're like, hey, uh, there's motion to walk outside and go around the corner. Well, do you walk outside and go around the corner? I kid you not, Sleep Hog Nation. This is like Walter White's like crack house outside. There is literally, I will post a picture on Sleep Hog because mm-hmm. I, I, will, I will call this little section out in our soundbite and you will see a picture of Sleep Dog getting a nose swab at a crack house in France. I think that they were just milling negative COVID tests to tourists that were trying to get, there were 15 people watching me, like just standing out in the yard in the driveway of this place. And like words don't express it. You got to go to our Instagram at sleephawk worldwide. And you got to see this picture when I post it. It was insane. Uh, but got a negative test. I'm home. Um, you know, it was weird, man. People, people over there, you know, they're wearing the mask. So in France, according to some dude, uh, uh, said that only Americans and Italians were allowed over there right now. They were very happy to see us. Um, uh, France does take American Express more often than not. They are very happy to see that. So, like, they were happy we were there. It was kind of weird because they were pretty laissez-faire. Like, some people were wearing the mask. Some people weren't. I just used laissez-faire, which I'm pretty sure is like a French word. Uh, didn't even mean to. So, I'm cultured. But, yeah, dude, it was wild, man. Um, the, the COVID test just is mind-boggling. Was there any city you extremely like? Is there anything you're blown away by? Dude, so God, almost everything. So we flew into Nice. I'd never been to Nice before. We stayed there one night. It was beautiful. Like the beaches are great. The problem with the beaches there is they're like smooth stone, like big pebbles. You ever been to Nice? No, I've never been Dude, to. Uh, you go down. You never been to France? Never been to France. Wow. Okay. Been to Italy. Never well, to we're going back. So <laughs> you try to go into the, like the, do this place is nice. Like real nice. So you go down and we're like this cabana on the beach and everything. And the only problem, dude, is like the only way into the beach is to walk over these rocks. And they look like nice and smooth, but I'm telling you, man, it's like, imagine walking on like, I don't know, a pile of rocks, you know, barefoot, like trying to get in the water. All kinds of people had like, it's like one of those places where water shoes are totally, uh, hang on, let me separate these two thoughts. Water shoes are unacceptable, but you're asked to wear those things in a heartbeat. You had them there, right? You'd be like, man, I don't care what anybody says. I'm wearing these water shoes. Because then what happens is like everybody's right up to the beach too. So it's not like you, nah, maybe they won't see me. There's people everywhere. They're all right up to the, to the water. And then like you walk out about, I don't know, 10 feet and then the rocks drop and you know, you're just in this beautiful like blue water and all this sort of stuff. But then you got to get back out. And then you got to kind of like climb back up because, you know, it's like it's a kind of a steep drop. So you got to kind of climb out of here with these rocks and shit. And then you know that like as soon as you start walking, like it's going to hurt again. And you got a good like 10 or 20 feet before you get to like salvation. Right? They, th- they throw like a rug out there. 
And uh, so we're doing every like crab walking an army crawling up these piles of rocks, dude, and like clearly American. Um, <laughs> sunburn and all this shit. So I love Nice. Uh, we went and stayed like in southern France in what they call Provence region, which is like wine country. It's where like Cezanne and Van Gogh are from and all this sort of stuff. Just puns galore in this place. All the towns are like castles, right? They're built around like in the side of hills and there's these castles everywhere and stuff. Um, and then like our last day was in Paris and I like Paris a lot. I've never spent more than a day at a time. been there twice and only spent a day. Um, but dude, France is a cool country. Um, the language is tough. Um, there are a lot of side stories including like 18 month kid, 18 month old kid throwing up on our flight on the way over there. That was kind of a nightmare. Then we didn't have any internet on the flight home, but in between, man, we did some pretty cool stuff. A lot of, a uh, lot of activities and uh, I would, I would highly, highly recommend it. So sleep posted a pic on his account and we we're all over there. Uh, I think we were watching the bachelorette uh, viewing party. Fauci approved everyone vaccinated. You posted that pic, and we're all going to get on under there and comment like some cheesy saying. <laughs> dude, it was but. great. Like, a fact checker came through with old uh, Eiffel Tower. Uh, dude, the puns, like, so So a little backstory. Like, I went over there with uh, my girlfriend and her family. And so this was my first experience. It was all it was all hyped up as my, my first experience with them, right? Um, but I think what it wound up actually being was their first experience with sleep dog and what i mean by that is dude that i mean dude there's a lot of things what an honor (laughs) there's a lot of things in france you can make a (laughs) you can make a pun about and i didn't hold back at all and by the end of it i'm pretty sure they were sick of me but they were very kind to invite me along we had a great time uh love hawk worldwide is uh it was um dude we did this thing called truffle hunting have you ever had truffle before truffles i don't even know truffle truffle butter and then like is it like a mushroom yes yes so we went to this place and uh, it was super cool, dude. It was like uh, like a, the, they showed you how they farm. Have you, ever, you know how like ginseng in America is like if if people know it's there, it's like really expensive because mm-hmm. it's hard to find and like hard to grow and only grows in certain places. The same thing with truffle. And so I don't know if it's truffle or truffles. That's one thing I did not come away with a broader knowledge of. But they have these three dogs and like these dogs literally sniff it out and dig it out of the ground. And it's super cool. They dig the truffle? Yes. Because this truffle grows underground on the roots of certain oak trees. You know how you know when there's truffles present? I bet you don't. It means it's like if you see an oak tree and there's no tree, no grass around it. I can't remember why, but that means there's truffles there. Mm. And so these dogs run over there and they like sniff around and they dig it up. It's crazy. But the funniest thing was, is like they don't, these aren't like, you know, like if I'm, I'm my dog, Finley, she's back, by the way. Uh, she's been really, really calm this, this episode. Um, the, uh, you know, so the guy told us, he's like, you can't have like a certain type of dog because people then know that you got a farm with truffles on it and they'll come try to steal your damn truffles when you ain't looking and they're expensive. Some of this stuff is $400 a pound, <clears throat> you know, and I'm not going to lie. Like we had them. You know, I'm not a big exploratory eater. Uh, they're okay. Like they're not really my thing. Like I'm pretty confident that my girlfriend's parents aren't going to listen to this podcast. I really enjoyed them. It wasn't like they were nasty, but it's not like I would, you know, uh, write home about truffles, but the experience of the truffle hunt thing was awesome, dude. Uh, really, really cool experience. And if you like truffles, DM us. Cause I got the, I got the hookup, dude. You could, you could sponsor a truffle tree. We got a, we got our, uh, a picture. I was, so it's funny because on all the family pictures, they made sure to put me on the end. <laughs> they were like, hey, man, you stand over here in case we need to crop you out later. You know, so that was a running theme of the weekend. But no, we had uh, the week. We had we had a blast, man. The COVID test pick everybody has to see. I'm trying to think of anything else super interesting that happened. Oh, so we're both huge coffee drinkers. Oh, dude. And uh, I'm always interested when people go on these trips. How was the coffee? Coffee was great. There nowhere do they have drip coffee. Nowhere. It is all cafe, which is a single shot of espresso, or like double cafe where they give you two, right? And so like you're just pounding these things. <laughs> Everything is, uh, you know, you can do cappuccino, cappuccino, or whatever, whatever the hell you say it. Uh, but mostly it is like single shot espresso in a little tiny cups or a little bigger one. You want a drip coffee? You know, stick to America. I never saw a Starbucks. Never saw a. Uh, um, you know, Dunkin' Donuts or any of that shit. Now, Southern France, dude, is remote. 
Like there ain't any anything you've ever seen there except McDonald's. That's mm. the only American thing I saw the whole time I was there. Which McDonald's has underrated coffee. Right? And I, I didn't it's think very that. cheap. A lot of people don't realize this. McDonald's actually I will the coffee is, say that. is pretty good. Um but um yeah, damn man, sounds like it was I a hell would of a trip. venture to guess that if I had walked into that McDonald's and asked for a cup of coffee, they wouldn't have had it. I promise. I wouldn't you. be surprised because that's always like a in in China and other countries the fast food chains can be so different. And yeah. you, like there's a sense like oh I'm, I see a McDonald's and you just go in there and you're like oh no. But uh, yeah, man, sounds like it's a great trip. Dude, we went on this mountain biking ride. It was really funny because all leading up to it, we had we had a pack schedule, right? And we were going on this. We had to be here. We had to drive. We had to get up early and had to drive like an hour out here. We're going to go on this bike ride, and we did a couple other e. And these are e bike tours of like wineries and stuff. It was great. And on the mountain bike thing, like there's a group of four of us. It was it was Mary, my girlfriend, and and uh, her sister and and um, brother in law. Morgan and Nathan are super cool. And we're sitting there on the, on, you know, we're trying to figure out like, hey, how do we dress for this? And we're like, are we going on a wine tour? Like, it's early. It's like, hey, Clyde, are we going to be drinking wine and stuff? Little did we know, rude awakening. We show up and this is like a rugged mountain biking trail for like four hours. <clears throat> Mary fell off her bike. Like, <laughs> like three or four people went down. Oh, sleep dog was having trouble. I mean, it was it was not for the faint of heart, but you got to go up to like Saint, Mount St. Victoire. Which is like, made, you know, Van Gogh painted it, and he didn't paint the actual mountain. Like he went to the mountain and painted a picture of it. You know, oh. uh, that would be a record if he painted the actual physical mountain. But it was the scenery was insane, man. Like there was just castles and like all these towns and and stuff. And like every single little town you went to that I'd never heard of was just like pretty staggering. And then Paris, dude, is like the Eiffel Tower is something you have to see. Notre Dame is crazy. Um, everything in Paris is just ornate. But I think my favorite spot was Nice, man. And my big goal is to go back there next year because there's a 15-minute train into Monaco for the Monaco Grand Prix in, like, May of 2022. So, like, that's my sort of well, me, list. Me item. and Fact Checker are with you. We're in. Dude. Just say right now. Got to have We'll it. take Sleep Hawk. We'll, we'll, we'll pod there, guys. We'll take it worldwide. I mean, yep. we might have, we might have uh, you know, Louis Hamilton on, on the mm-hmm. show because by then, who knows? I mean, we're going to be – Maybe a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I, I don't have a lot left. Uh, fantasy football is about to start. I don't even, oh God, I can't even get into it. No. Nope. Um, but yeah, so anything else, Big Hawk? Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe.